What's up, Dogman Nation? It's Luke Munger, one of the interns at Dogman, joined by Josh Wadka and Jack McCauley. Uh, and it is game week. The Huskies, with their biggest test of the year so far, hosting number 11, Michigan State, number nine in the coaches' poll. Uh, we'll start here by asking, gentlemen, oh, what's the excitement? Time, time out, time out. That was, I think, you just said this is the biggest game, biggest test we've had. You, I, I'm going on the record saying, Luke Munger, this is the biggest game we've had since 2016 Stanford at home, if not longer. That, that's what the that's the vibes I was getting. That's uh, the vibes. How about getting. game day 2016 USC at home too? I think but since 2016, I would agree with. Okay, but this is like a legit a program changing game. If we if we yeah. like we, attack, we insert attacks on the national relevance. All right. Okay. Well. I ask for forgiveness on this podcast for understating the importance of this game. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, about the first thing I was going to ask you guys is what the excitement level is, and it sounds like we guys kind of already started to allude to it a little bit. Yeah, I've yeah. lost a lot of sleep this week. I'm, I'm also I'm also not believing any of this any of this stuff coming out of the coming out of the coaches and the players saying, "Oh, it's exciting because it's just the next week," or. Or they're saying, "Oh, it's just it's just another game for us." No, everyone in that locker room understands the significance of this game, and understands what a win here can do to propel you forward for not just this season, but for seasons to come. So I I know everyone in that locker room's got to be fired up and just ready to make a statement. I, I think if I think if you guys read Savelle Smalls' quotes after practice, I think I think he put it best after listing a bunch of non-conference games that we've lost in the last four or five years and then saying this is like our time basically like we're here to yeah. change something. that's yeah. that's the vibe i'm getting like they want to go out there and just mm-hmm. yeah do some terrible things <laughs> right so, so you guys both kind of said uh i mean obviously that was a great quote from savelle but there's obviously a lot of coach speak and like kind of i don't know what the right word is but a lot of like oh you know it's the next opponent so like every game's the biggest game and things like that uh so i'm gonna ask another question that a player or a coach probably wouldn't answer directly um but here we go, Huskies coming off a four and eight season, right? They're now two and zero, going to face a top fifteen team in Michigan State. Based on where things were last year and perhaps expectations going into this year, is there a certain element where the Huskies are playing with house money? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think that that is a thing, or am I wrong? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they have nothing to lose from this game. You know what I mean? Like. They do have to come out here and like they do have to come out here and have a good showing. Like they can't they can't just get blown out of the water or anything like that. So I mean, although I don't feel like they need to like absolutely win the game to make a statement, they still need to keep it close and competitive and at least put up a good fight. Like they can't just get blown out of the water and look uncompetitive and look like they don't belong. So at the same so I don't believe they're playing with like house money per se. Or I mean there there is something for them to lose. Like they just can't get embarrassed on the national stage. I, I I agree with most of that. I do think they'll win. Like, I I'm, I don't think they're le- I don't think they're gonna be satisfied with a three point loss. I don't think they're coming out saying like we're back after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think a win is what propels you into the national stage. I don't think a three point loss does because in the end it's it's one of those same things. It's like oh Michigan, you would lose to Michigan State by three, and then what happens then? They lose to Ohio State, Michigan, and then maybe Penn State or someone else along the way. And it's like, well, Washington's just another mid-level Pac-12 team. But if they go out and, you know, blow some doors or win by 10 or something, it's, oh, they're up there with Michigan, Ohio. You know, it's a different level of national. You're seeing differently across the national landscape. And I think ultimately for, like, this program to make a statement, they have to go out and win the game. They can't. It's it's a game you you don't want to lose. 
I mean, you look at like all the conference realignment that's inevitably going to happen within within the next couple of years. Like you got it. This is a game that you got to get for yourself. Just looking forward to to just show that you're that national brand again, and that you're just one of the you're just one of the meccas of college football. You're not just some you're not just some sleepy team out in the Pacific Northwest, but like you're a powerhouse that's ready to go. So Certainly. this is a big game for not just now, but also for years to come. I feel like personally, it's interesting you mentioned that. This is off topic. We don't have to go down too far into it. Um, but the Big Ten, man, like it's been a rough start to the year for Big Ten as well. And obviously, that like the things in the Big Ten are trending up, like infinite cash coming in in their recent TV deal, and the chance for it to be more with more teams being added. USC and UCLA, obviously, along the way. Uh, but somewhere along the way, um. I can't remember. I mean, obviously Nebraska lost to uh, uh, who was it? Georgia Southern. There was another bad loss yeah. in the Big Ten. Georgia State or something. Then. Yeah. yeah, I'll find it. But gosh, dude. Yeah, it's an interesting thing for sure. And then one last off-topic thing, and then we can get a little bit more into Michigan State. But we've talked about national perception. I'm like surprised. Obviously, the Huskies have taken care of business against two uh, inferior opponents. But it's interesting that the Huskies – like have yet to receive a vote in the AP poll yet they're favored in this game in Vegas going in. And obviously the AP polls in Vegas aren't correlated in any way, but it's just interesting to show that the perception of Washington, like this is something that not only would put the Huskies back on the map, but they would be like bursting back onto the scene. You know what I mean? This would, I don't, it just, it's interesting. That's what I'm saying. It's like Stanford 2016. That's why I related to that game. It's kind of like, Oh, you have the Friday or you have the, Saturday Night Lights. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to step up to the plate and hit a bomb, or are you going to are you going to strike out? Kind of a thing, you know. And Washington wants to go up and swing for the fences on Saturday. I think what I guess kind of getting into Michigan State here too a little bit. I am. I would say one thing I am a little worried about is because is new coach, new team. Like you're 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 elevated already onto that national stage. What's going to happen? Are they going to come out maybe a little too excited and? You know, that happens sometimes. You get a little too antsy and something might go bad at the beginning. Um, we'll see, though. I think, DeBoer, I think DeBoer, I really do think DeBoer's got his guys dialed in. And I think they, I, I, you know, obviously it's, the, you know, coaches say game by game or week by week. I believe they've started Michigan State Prep a long, long time ago. Munger, a little question for you here. Do you think Michigan State is somewhat playing with house money per se? Like, think about it. They're coming into Seattle not even favored to win the game as an 11th ranked team overall, like if they lose the game, they can say like they have the point that they weren't favored at all. But at the same time, if they like blow them out, they it's still not really the card that like it was expected per se. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. I think they definitely, I, I think it could definitely be like bulletin board material as they say, you know what I mean? Like Michigan state has the unique perspective. I mean, obviously who knows? I mean, I doubt a ton of these guys have looked at like betting lines and stuff like that. But at the same time, like you can come in and say like, like Michigan state from their perspective, they are the, the ranked opponent uh, yet the underdog in Vegas. Right. So they have like the double swagger in that way. You know what I mean? They have the chip on their shoulder and the clout. It's like, it's kind of a rare combo. Uh, So yeah, that's interesting. That's not a pot or a a point that I've kind of considered, but it's definitely unique. So that's a good question. Uh, getting into Michigan State, by the way, uh, both Josh, uh, Jack, and then myself have kind of been looking at this upcoming opponent here. And uh, so this is a team last year, uh, a 10-plus win team. Uh, obviously, there are a couple marquee names that have 
gone, nevertheless retained some talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, I'll start, I, I guess, on the offensive side. Jack, I have a question for you. Uh, obviously, big name, Michigan State, Kenneth Walker, out the door, but they've ran the ball extremely well in these first two games, albeit against two MAC opponents. What makes Michigan State effective at running the ball, I guess, even without a marquee name like Kenneth Walker back in the fold? Yeah, well, first off, obviously massive loss that Michigan State had with Kenneth Walker. The Doak Award winner last year, arguably the best, one of the best, if not the best, offensive skill player not named a quarterback in college football. Last year he was just that good. Um, a lot of Seattle fans familiar with him, obviously, with him being on the Seahawks now. But Michigan State reloaded. They went out and reloaded. They got Jalen Berger from Wisconsin, uh, who very talented there, and they got Jarek Prasad from Colorado. Kind of a thunder-lightning combination. I think a lot of Husky fans, I would put it this way. It's it's more of a LeVon Coleman, Miles Gaskin, if LeVon Coleman was the lead guy um, in the offense. I think that's what it is. They're real bruising you know, they run downhill, and I think that's just, you know, they're Michigan, man. When November rolls around, there's snow on the ground, bad weather, it's cold. It's a Big Ten brand of football. So they're going to go out there and really try and move you back on the defensive line and run the ball down your throat with two exceptional backs. Yeah, both backs have over 25 carries on the season, both averaging over five per carry on the ground. Uh, speaking of just physical brands of football, turning to the defensive side, uh, Mr. Josh, uh one of the biggest names, I guess, on the defensive side of the football in college football right now is Jacoby Winman, six or nearly six sacks, five and a half sacks through two games. Uh, I think when he, when I think of Big Ten football, uh, like Jack kind of alluded to there, I think of big, physical, aggressive style of play. Uh, tell me a little bit about, I guess, this front seven we'll be looking at from Michigan State. I mean, yeah. The front seven's physicality, they just breathe themselves off physicality. Like they're going to look to beat you up 20, for 60 minutes in a game, create pressure. I mean, this was a team, this was a, this was a group that like let, this was a group that led the nation or uh, was one of the top of the nation last year in sack tolls. Uh, speaking of Winman in particular, that guy's having a great start to the year. He's coming off, he's coming off back to back weeks winning uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And man, is that guy just a physical beast? Like he's gonna come and just try and bull rush, bull rush you off the edge. He's more of a line. He came in more as like a linebacker type player that's transitioned down to the edge. Um, but yeah, he's one. Of, he's one of like the coaches. He's one of like if you're any football coach, he's one of your favorite guys on the field. He's a dude who's just got a motor twenty four seven that's just looking to cause havoc. So I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a real test for. Uh, I mean, it's gonna be the first real test for UW's like inexperienced uh, new line to go up against some guys who like are actually their size and match up pretty well against them and match up with their own physicality. So we'll see, we'll see what uh, Scott Huff and company have, have prepared to combat, to combat that, that physical presence. Yeah. I, I want one thing before moving on. I mean, that front seven is extremely, extremely talented. They did lose two linebackers, which I think is going to, if that, if well, there's one part of the defense that can get exposed in the front seven, it's the linebacker core. Losing two of their, I think Jerry Snow, Darius Snow, um, heart and soul of the team out for the season. Real unfortunate for them. Um, but like like Josh said, you know they will try and move you back there. They got some big boys up front, and they're pretty experienced. Winman, I mean, senior transfer from UNLV, I mean, having a monster year. They're they're extremely physical, and they're like Josh said, that's what they pride themselves on. It's Big Ten football. It's one yeah. or lost in the trenches for them. Absolutely. Yeah, well, so then another thing, I guess, 
you mentioned potentially in an area of the defense that could not necessarily be taken advantage of, but maybe one area that may be exposed more than on the edges for Michigan State. Uh, Another thing I was looking at, I saw Michigan State last year averaged, I think, around 320 yards allowed through the air. Uh, Now, this is a secondary that's added people like Amir Speed, a transfer from Georgia that should be an impact player in that secondary. Uh, But, Josh, obviously, the secondary hasn't been tested a lot in two games against Akron and Western Michigan. Uh, But Michael Penix is a guy who's played Michigan State a couple times before, albeit not during the Mel Tucker era. Uh, Nevertheless, is this something that you think the Huskies could sort of try to, I guess, have the upper hand on? Yeah, I mean, if if they're going to win the game, if if they're going to win this game, they have to exploit Michigan State over the air. This is a secondary, like you said, gave up 325 yards yards in the air per game uh, last year. I know Amir Speed, Amir Speed, like you were mentioning, the guy from Georgia, does come in. He does provide some experience and a little more veteran presence out in the secondary. But I mean, even during his time at Georgia, he did not play much. So as much as he is experienced, being that like six year senior, like the amount of game action he's actually seen is has not been that heavy from what I was reading at least. And then, I mean, I don't know. You just got it. You got to take advantage of the air. Granted, it is the, it is Georgia are the best defense we've seen in like decades. That is true. That is true. true. But still, I mean, this is, this is a unit that, I mean, they, they definitely got to patch up. It's been one of their main focuses, especially in the transfer portal to try and bring in some of these guys just to cure up the secondary. But I, I fully expect, uh, I I fully expect coach Grubb and, uh, Coach DeBoer to uh, pick apart this defensive secondary and just look to find the soft holes in the zone that they run, really. And, jeez, oh, I could just see uh, a Dunze McMillan having huge games. I could see them being target players, just really trying to get those guys in space. And then oh, I think the deep ball's got to be there. That's one thing that I've noticed from Penix recently, or at least especially in the Portland State game. It seemed like early he was kind of – he was a little off, a little overthrowing his receivers, especially on that deep ball. That's got to be something that they can that they can convert on because the big play, they got to execute the big play. I mean, that's just such an energy builder to the entire stadium. And geez, just one of those like just fifty yard bombs can just get the place rocking. So, I mean, they got to they got to be good in the air because, like I said, or like we've been saying this entire time, Michigan State is going to try and outfit be more physical than you. They're going to try and play the game in the trenches and try to beat you up in the trenches. You got to expand the game and get them and you got to get them outside of their own game if that makes sense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, going back to the offensive side, we, we talked a little bit about the rushing attack, uh, kind of a unique sort of element or maybe new kind of feature to this Michigan State offense is a couple of talented playmakers at wideout. Uh, obviously, Michigan State has one of the more impact wide receivers in the country in Jalen Reed. He's also a fantastic special teams player. Uh, many people listening to this podcast will recognize the name Jeremy Bernard, who scored a touchdown for Michigan State. Uh, tell me a little bit more, I guess, about the Spartans at the skill positions on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you mentioned Jeremy Bernard, um, obviously former Washington commit up until Jimmy Lake got let go. 
Um, he's explosive. I mean, for a freshman, he's at 16 and at 6'2", has a lot of great size, speed. He's really built for to play right away at the college level, and he's done just that. You know, one, one of his first receptions wasn't like a 50-yard touchdown um, of a short slant. I do think, though, um, with the skill they have, with Keon Coleman, Jer- Jeremy Bernard, Jaron Glover, another freshman, uh, and Christian Fitzpatrick, there's there's two things I think about this unit that they have to that, that that's going to be that's going to come up during this game. It's going to be a big testing point for them too. Like Michigan State State or like Washington fans, you know, the Washington run game will be exposed. The Michigan State wide receiver room will be exposed this game in one way or the other, and that's going to be from talent or or you know what or not so much with Peyton Thorne throwing him the ball, and then also just an atmosphere like none of them have really experienced before. They have two big freshmen in their two deeps. They haven't played in a game like this. How are they going to feel? You know, you saw that with Jalen McMillan and Romo Dunsey last year. A lot of drops, a lot and such, you know, nerves, whatnot. And then Peyton Thorne also kind of steering away. He's got to throw him the ball. Watching some Michigan State film, both against Akron and Western Michigan, where Washington secondary might not necessarily be, might, might not necessarily be where it was the last six, seven years or so. Peyton Thorne has thrown balls that Washington can go up and get, you know. There are plays that have been touchdowns or plays that have gone for big yardage where Peyton Thorne didn't necessarily put it on the money and the receivers, is as talented as they were, went up and made that play. They Those those throws won't fly against Washington. So the receivers not only have to be on their game, but so does Peyton Thorne. I got, I got a question real quick, Jack. We know that – I mean, you know that UW's entire defensive scheme is to play aggressive, to play to play aggressive, which then kind of makes them susceptible to the big play. Is Michigan State a type of offense that can like really take advantage of that? Are they a team that's going to look to throw the ball down the field, or are they more just a ground and pound, kind of knock your teeth out type? type when team? they throw, they're going to take their shots. They're not afraid to take your shots, but you're, it's early on, especially especially that first quarter, they're really going to try to assert their dominance up front in the trenches. We haven't talked about their offensive line as much. They have a very senior-leaden offensive line um, led by four seniors. Only one junior at right tackle and Spencer Brown. That's going to be one of their weak spots as well as Jarrett Horst. Um, Washington actually faced him last year. He was an Arkansas State transfer. So they got after him last year a little bit. So he's returning to Husky Stadium once again on back-to-back trips this year. Um, but, you know, they really have to assert their dominance up front in the run game if they want to win. That's how they win, and that's how they play. Mel Tucker's not a kind of guy who's going to throw the ball um, 50-50 with the run game. It's going to be a lot of run game um, with the two backs mixed in. So there could be some big plays, of course, but I do think if the big plays will come, it's going to be through the air. The two things I'm worried about if Washington is, one, obviously getting beat deep on a play action. If you sell too hard, they've been doing that in the last couple games, especially against Kent State um, and the read options. Uh, I, although different concept and scheme, you know, Washington's linebackers do have the case to bite in or close that gap too much, which could leave their safeties and um, corners hung out to dry in the passing game if they do decide to go. Um, play action. The others is the penalties. I re- Washington has gotten what th- it was about three pass interferences last game against Portland State. Two on Mitch Powell. Those really have to be cooled down. You can't allow big chunk yards. Obviously, they can't afford to give up a big play or so because of how you know how good the offense has been. Um, but they do have to make those stops to allow some breathing room. And also, uh, I guess Peyton Thorne. You mentioned a couple of times Huskies. Although it was cleaned up a little bit against Portland State. Uh, really in Kent State, really struggled to, I guess, finish the job when the pass rush was able to create pressure. Uh, 
tell me what Peyton Thorne brings to the table with his legs. I know he ran for four touchdowns last year. I don't think he's necessarily statuous. No. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, with his legs, he's not gonna, He's not a guy that's comfortable outside of the pocket. Um, he's thrown three picks this year. Um, two of them came when he's tried to get to do something outside the pocket. He becomes real irrational. One of them against Western Michigan, he rolls out to the left and looks um, upfield to the middle, about 10 yard, 15 yards up the middle, tries to throw something in between two defenders, um, gets picked off, where he could have, I believe, ran and got either close to the – the first down on second and second and five, second and six. Um, but instead through through turnover that let Western Michigan come back into the game. So Peyton Thorne, those are the type of plays. If you're him, you have to avoid, but Washington good news is their pass rush has been great. Um, Braylon Trice, Jeremiah Martin have each had their two. I would, I believe two their two best games individually um, as Huskies. So you have to see that again this year or this game, especially you got to get them off the edge and those, they have to cause havoc. Um, not only for the run game and collapsing those edges, but for you want to force Peyton Thorne out of that pocket because that's when he's going to make mistakes. And he's a guy who's not extremely accurate. You know, four touchdowns, a three interceptions against two pretty cupcake teams. Western Michigan, MAC team, decent MAC team. Akron is just – watch them. They are unbelievably bad. Unbelievably bad. Um, so Peyton Thorne really has to take care of the ball. Washington needs to get on them, and they're going to force a ton of pressure – which, like Josh alluded to, the big play could go one way or the other, but Peyton Thorne ultimately is going to win him or lose him the game, I think. Uh, before before you uh, start, Luke, one thing else I think about just, like, the wrapping up and just, like, getting to the quarterback, I don't know how – like, I think a lot of that also had just to do with the state Kent State quarterback himself. I think that guy was just super slippery. This is a super elusive individual. I mean, you also got to remember that this is week one. That was week one, like – with no preseason and no like real practice, like for these guys, when with actually being able to like hit the quarterback and like lay a hit on the guy, yeah. But so, it, it, this I'm, is I'm really not too worried about our edges like wrapping up. That's something. That's why you play these. That's why you play these max schools to get those. Yeah. Not necessarily those wrapping up, up, but I'm talking about bite. Like you know, if there there's a read inside, if if they're going play action and the edges cave in, linebackers start caving in, and he rolls out. That's what was something that was shown a lot in week one. Not as much week two with Portland State. They didn't really have that in their playbook as much. So, I mean, is it? are we going to see that week three? I don't know, but that's something you have to you, – you cannot have. You can't have your linebackers selling out on the run where our cornerbacks are left, to, left out to drive because we do play aggressive. We do play close to the line of scrimmage. So those big plays very, could happen. Great. And now, Josh – Another quick question on the defensive side of the ball for Michigan State. So obviously we talked about the 325 per game that they allowed through the air in 2021. Uh, On the, I guess, rushing attack, they were more effective. I gave up 3.4 yards per carry, less than a touchdown a game. Baskies ran the ball well last week against Portland State, albeit against a physically undermatched defensive front. Uh, And Michigan State obviously will be a little beefier up front than probably the Portland State Vikings without having really looked too much at the Michigan State roster. Uh, But tell me, what do the Huskies have to do to run the ball effectively against a team like the Spartans? I mean, I think think you just got to establish it, really. Like, you just got to come out with a will. You got to come out and and make Michigan State respect your running game. Because if you force them to press in and respect the run, that's going to open up so many more things in the secondary. Because I really do – like – you're not gonna be you're not gonna be able to beat Michigan State strictly running the ball. Like that's just not gonna happen. Like their their front seven is just their front seven's too dominant for that. But you need to at least establish and make them respect a running game 
to open up your passing game and your entire playbook as a whole. So I don't think the running game per se is going to be like an X factor this week. I think it's going to be more just like, it's just going to be something they have to do. And I mean, it all just goes up, up front to the front five. They just got to be able to get a push. They've done a good job so far this year, sustaining blocks and kind of getting up to that second level. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's just got to happen. It'll be nice to have Jackson Kirkland back this week. They say he'll, he'll probably, they'll find some sort of way to play him. I don't know if it'll be in a starting role yet. I haven't seen like the, I don't think they released a depth chart this week because Michigan state doesn't release a depth chart for some reason, but uh, I'm pretty sure one of the Dogman guys was saying that Kirkland will play in some, in some uh, facet this week. So I don't know, definitely in, in order to be able to have success running the ball, they just got to get a push up front and they're going to, I mean, it's more of a thing where they just, you got to force Michigan state to respect you on the running side. I think too interesting to note out that, um, if Kirkland does play, I mean, you'd assume he's starting at left tackle. Um, that's where he's been playing in the preseason. But Rosengarten and Fautanu are two of the top four uh, graded tackles in in the Pac-12 conference so far. Um, at with, oh, Rose, with Rosengarten at yeah, first, grading out at eighty three point eight. I think it's kind of like we've been talking about having those games. You know, you know, getting those games on your belt with the you know lighter opponents, Mac opponent. Um, and big sky opponents. It's good to have, especially a guy like Roger Rosengarten, where you, you think about playing Michigan State Week One. This is that's his first career start, and you're going up against two great edge defenders right there. Who you really you got to anchor down, man. And you got to be, especially in the pass pro. You know, kind of like we alluded to, Michigan State was the worst defending on the pass in the Big Ten last year, and with already losing two guys. And you're a little bit banged up in the secondary. You know, Washington's got to get after him. Pass protection is going to be key, man. Absolutely. Great. So uh, real quick, before we get into confidence intervals, because we're pushing 30 minutes here, anything else, I guess, that you'd like to add about Michigan State on either side of the ball? Yeah, I think we got to touch a little bit. Just one just one more second on Jaden Reed. Uh, Mel Tucker, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like Josh alluded, he's kind of a sneakster. Mel Tucker. He doesn't release depth charts and doesn't give injury updates. Kind of a little bit Coach Pete S, but I would say he goes even more, um, even more like dark mode than than Coach Pete. Um, but Mel Tucker, yeah. But Jaden Reed, I think he's going to be a big factor, man. If he plays or not, you know, I don't. I'm not. I don't want to be trotting out two of my top three wide receivers being true freshmen. That's something that in a big game. This is their biggest game they've ever played in. Two, uh, two of your top three receivers being true freshmen, that's iffy territory. You need some leadership out there, and you need Jaden Reed. Obviously, if people are unfamiliar with his scenario, he uh, fell into an Akron bench and cut his back pretty bad, um, sat the rest of the game, didn't appear out of the tunnel at all. So nobody really knows the severity of the injury, although it did sound like he would. If it's not this week, it's probably next weekend. Um, but X factor on their team. They need him out there for sure. Sore is the quote used by Mel Tucker to describe him two days ago. So I, I have, a, I, I don't know. I, that leads. I have a gut feeling he's not going to play. I don't know why. I feel like, uh, I just feel like he's not, I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling. You think they throw him, throw him out there as a decoy at all whatsoever? I don't know. If you, you're not going to want to warm a guy up if he's got a pretty bad, if, if, I don't know, back injuries can really, can linger. That stuff can linger. If you hit that stuff that hard, I don't know. And it's not like he was practicing either. People haven't said anything about him practicing. So Yeah, I was going to say, if the most recent update that I can find, Mel Tucker two days ago said Jaden Reed will be ready when he's ready. So like you said, there's a certain level of like gamesmanship. Um, 
the Huskies obviously will be, I would imagine, be preparing to be playing Jaden Reed, right? So, uh, I don't know. But like you said, it's what th- that is a big X factor that's out. Again, this is a guy who had over a thousand yards through the air last year and two punt return touchdowns. Um, so it, it would be the equivalent of losing a Dante Pettis, John Ross caliber wide out for. Yeah, probably, I would probably say like a Dante Pettis. Yeah, ask maybe a little. Yeah, I went there because of the punt returning skills. <laughs> a little less, yeah, a little less explosive, a little less better of a route runner than Dante Pettis. But I mean, still, it's a big loss for their team leader, senior. You don't want to lose a guy like that in your biggest game to date on this, of the season. Kind of adding on to what Jack was saying, when I was just doing some early research this morning about the team, uh, Michigan State just definitely does not come into this game as a unit as healthy as they probably wanted to be as they probably would like would want to be as a as a whole not just Jaden Reed himself but they got a couple gaps a couple injuries here and there so UW on a health front is definitely more is definitely more ready to go as I mean I don't think they got any injuries really to deal with I think they're pretty full well they're bringing uh, guys back if yeah, yeah they're, they're, but you know, kind of like we alluded to earlier two linebackers two your your two starting linebackers out for this done for the season um that's a tough position captains of the defense and then Obviously, your captain almost of the offense, Jaden Reed, gone. So we'll see, we'll see at least. But they definitely have some holes, and Washington's got to be able to see them and expose them. They really do because they're a top Michigan State. I mean, obviously Washington's favorite, but it's not. You know, this was a team last year that wasn't just uh, running back Kenneth Walker. It wasn't just mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker last year. It was a good team, man. They were beat Michigan, a college football playoff team. They were good, so you know they're ranked number eleven for a reason. If they're not, they're not a cakewalk. Obviously, Washington has the talent to to stand in there and take a chance and beat them. But you know this is a this is a good football team with where they are they are deep and they have guys ready to play. Wonderful, sweet. So as we are approaching the thirty minute mark here, we'll go into confidence intervals and signing off. I'll start with Jack. One to ten confidence interval heading into Saturday um, from a Husky fan perspective. I'm gonna say a six right now. I think um, I definitely would favor Washington in the matchup. I think at home, I think this game means more to them than Michigan State. Even taking a look at Michigan State boards, I feel like the fan excitement kind of correlates to the locker room excitement in a way too. Um, maybe not, uh, maybe not as high, but it's it's a you know it's similar parallel, I guess. Where Michigan State, you know, they definitely thought this game coming into the season was going to be a chew and walk in the park. Obviously, they're not as nervous about, but they're not excited nearly like Husky Nation is. Uh, Seventy thousand purple towels flying everywhere. Um, I think Washington has to feel somewhat good, especially after their two first uh, their their first two win- games. And then also, it's hard to prepare for a team in a new system like Kalen. You know, hard to prepare for a Kalen DeVore team where they've played two games. Probably have seems weird to say from what Jimmy Lake put out there last year. But it, they've probably been vanilla. They haven't wanted to showcase it too much, I don't think, yet. Um, so I'd, I'd like a six. I'd favor Washington just a little bit. I think the game means a little bit more to them, and their, their locker room especially is ready to make a statement. Um, and I think the talent is neck and neck there. But, it, man, it's going to be, I think, a really close game. I don't think I don't think Grub and DeVore have shown anything, kind of adding to what Jack was saying. There. I, don't think, I don't think they've shown anything that they haven't, won, that they haven't wanted to. There's just been no need. They've been in complete control of every game they've played so far, so there's been no need to really open up the playbook per se. I don't think they've opened it up truly, but I, th- I mean, they definitely gave a good look to what their system's going to be like, and you know, they're going to what they're going to do with Mike Penix, especially. But I think when you're 
especially a team like Michigan State where you know their weakness in their on their defense is going to be in their passing game. They're not going to show everything quite yet. But I think, you know, system-wise, I mean, you can obviously look back to Fresno State last year and find some stuff, but it's completely different when you have a different roster and makeover. How are you going to prepare for this guy in the system when they haven't, you know, like you said, done much? Got it. Sweet. Now, Mr. Josh, confidence interval. I don't like it, but my confidence interval is a seven, man. I feel I feel like I'm going into this game a little too overconfident because this is this is just one of the games as like a fan. You just convince yourself that like, okay, this is a statement game. Like, there's no way we're losing this. Like, like this is a game that just like you have so you've you've had circled on the map for years, and ever all offseason you've had this game circled on the map, knowing like that this was your first true test, and this was the game you're gonna make a statement. Um, I really th- I like the matchup against Michigan State. Really, I think they play well into what we're trying to do. I think they really allow us to open up our offense and ex- and just go f- full force. I think everyone in that locker room understands the severity of this game and understands what it can do for them, not just now but for the rest of the season and for years to come. So I think there's a lot of the there's a lot on the line. There's a big uh, prove the doubters wrong mentality. Maybe not even just prove the doubters wrong, but just like introduce people, introduce people to the new era of Washington football. There's a lot of excitement in the building. Like Jack was saying, 70,000 people just going nuts. So I think, I think the atmosphere, I think the atmosphere will be a huge advantage and I could see Washington pulling this away. But I also, I also like a ton of points to be scored in this game. I think this game is going to be pretty dang close to a shootout. I hit the over. I think it's hitting the over. Yeah, fifty-six something. Fifty-four. Fifty-four. Yeah, that's what I saw. That's what it opened out. Has it changed? Fifty-six and a half, I think. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'd still hit the over. I think personally, I think so too. I think one sec, real quick, Luke, before you hit yours. I think Josh, that's one real good point. I don't think we've hit on too much schematically. I think Washington kind of fits into what they want to do real well against Michigan State offensively, like we talked about with the depleted defensive back room and linebacker core. I think it's gonna. You're gonna, they're going to want to throw the ball on them a lot. That's what DeBoer likes to do. They like to throw the ball around. And defensively, I think especially having those safeties play aggressive, they're, they want to attack the line of scrimmage, and they want to keep. They don't want to move their guys off the ball well, which was, is what Michigan State's going to want to do. They're not going to want to let Peyton Thorne beat you with their arm, and I think that's what Washington's going to try and do. 56 and a half, by the way, is the official yeah. over-under. Right um, sweet. So I'll wrap it up here. I'm going to go 5.25. It's a lame answer. I don't want to be under 50% on this one. I thought uh, 5.75. No, so it's. It, I was going to do five straight up, but uh, Josh, I like your use of the word, the severity of this game. I think that is understood on Washington's sideline. So I'll tip it. I'll tip the scales towards Washington. I am trying to, I don't know, from a fan perspective, I guess my, my comfort, my, my confidence is 5.25. My comfort is about a one. Like I'm, I've been squirming all week and will continue to squirm for the rest of this week. My excitement level is about a 150. <laughs> you know, I just can't wait for this game to kick. Uh, it's going to feel like the slowest 72 hours from now. Um, but yeah, you know, this is, I mean, this is what college football is all about right here. You know what I mean? Like a uh, big non-conference matchup, a team that has had a storied history trying to put itself back on the map against a marquee opponent and we get to see that on saturday at husky stadium uh, so keep it here at dogman.com for the rest of the week we'll keep you covered uh pre-game during the game post-game best place for all that info uh gentlemen thanks for the time and go dogs.